It's the Stinking Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey guys, welcome in to the Stinking Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott DeHuff, producing the show. Want to thank our presenting sponsors, uh, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat. Hey guys, for all your workout exercise needs, I'm taking the bands. I'm like, Mike, I'm taking all the bands. Like when I go on the road and working out sometimes just in my room. Because some of these gyms are closed. When you go on the road because of COVID, they're they're closing the gyms. I'll be in California this weekend. Uh, I've got the Raiders. I've got the Chargers. Um, that's going to make Raider fan really happy. Um, <laughs> hey, Raider fan, pound sand. I don't give a shit. Um, by the oh, way, oh, but I've been working. Oh, oh, oh. But I've been working all. I've been working all the bands and doing stuff in my room and, and, you know, staying fit as a fiddle, Mike. Fit as a fiddle, thanks to my folks at Sweet Sweat. And then um, Superbook, America's best bet. Uh, they, they sponsor our picks. Both of us had a, a bad weekend in pick. Well, you have a bad weekend every week. I'm terrible. Picks. Terrible. I had my first bad weekend, Mike. The first time I didn't go at two and one. It uh, it hurts a little bit, Mike, but uh, I'm still kicking your ass. So that's uh, there's a little bit of uh, – just a little bit of um, sweetness there for me. So the great folks at uh, Superbook, check them out. Uh, America's best bet. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, uh, we'll at some point. At some point, it has to turn around for me, but I don't, I don't know when. It's looking, it's looking pretty bleak. Speaking of bleak, are we already mm-hmm. at a point in young Lamar Jackson's career where he is already being dogged by the idea that he can't win the big one, that he can't beat competitive teams that mm-hmm. he struggles right. when he and his teams get get punched in the mouth and they have to deal with adversity and fall behind and try to come from behind well now they had a lead i think it's the first time that lamar has, has ever had a halftime lead and ended up losing a game so normally the way the ravens are built and this has been interesting when you look at them and i call them kind of a heavy spread team when you look at the way they're built, people are so trying to figure out how to stop the run. And what they end up doing, Mike, is they get – if you if you ever just kind of watch them, split the field in half, and count the number of players on one side versus the number of players on the other side, and then all of a sudden the ball is snapped. And because Lamar has the ability to run the ball, they find a matchup to the opposite side – where they have numbers. So, for instance, if one side of the field has, let's call it, five defenders in a single high safety, and the other side of the field are six defenders in a single high safety, and and the other side has four defenders, they will quickly motion somebody over there, and they will run a play to where all of a sudden they get a six-on-four matchup on the opposite side. They turn a couple of guys loose on one side, they attack the opposite side where they have the number count advantage, and they throttle people in the running game. They just constantly throttle people. And then <clears throat> when you're using your quarterback to run the football, well, all of a sudden, it's not only just a six-on-four advantage, so it's a seven-on-four because your running back it becomes your quarterback becomes your running back. So it truly is 11-on-11 football, and they find a way to create a, a single side where they just get a number count advantage, and they, they absolutely throttle people. And so when you're playing them and they're running the ball that way, Mike, um, 
you know, what teams end up doing is they end up going, starting counting possessions. Like, hey, a normal game, we have 12 possessions against the Ravens. We're going to be lucky to get eight. Now we have to score on every possession. And now what do we do? We have to commit extra guys to the box, play a bunch of man coverage, play a bunch of zero coverage, and you get some play action where Lamar gets a one-on-one down the seam and it's open by 12 yards or he gets a crossing route one-on-one where a guy's chasing a tight end and it's an easy throw for him and then he cuts you up in the passing game. And what I saw from Pittsburgh as I went back and looked at some of the tape, what I saw from them is, is this this theory that you presented to me about two years ago, and I'll give you credit, which you know I hate to do, uh, because you are my intellectual property so I could just steal this, but because we're together, I'm not going to do it. You told me this several years ago, and every week I go in and talk to a defensive coordinator. The guy goes, hey, our number one priority, make them one-dimensional. we got to stop the run. we got to stop the run. And you're like, I think that's bullshit. And I'm like, what are you talking about, bullshit? And he goes, I think it's bullshit. I think they say that, but they actually let you run the ball, kind of a death by a thousand paper cuts, and they're always trying to defend the pass because they don't want to give up the explosives in the passing game. And I look at that game with Pittsburgh, two interceptions, one on the third play of the game. The third play of the game, Pittsburgh dropped back in a zone blitz. So Dupree runs with the seam, down the, the, down the seam, runs with, I think it was the tight end down the seam. And they play zone behind it. And so they bring a blitz pressure look from the other side. They run down the seam, and Lamar thinks he's going to have a wide open receiver in the middle. He turns and just throws it in the middle, and the linebacker's standing right there to pick it off. Right, because he sees blitz. He sees blitz, and he's like, oh, I'm going to be wide open. Throws it in the middle, bam, picked off, pick six. And then later in the game, they're trying to throw this layered route combination. So they have a – on the outside, they have a go. They have the front side tight end running a corner, and they have the, the fullback running a flat. So it's a, it's a linear progression. It's a standard progression in the NFL, a three-man a three flood on that side. Um, and it is tight end to the corner, you know, the Z receiver running a go, and they're into the boundary, and a, uh, and a fullback in the flat. And he tries to throw the corner route. Well, th- there's not enough separation there, and he tries to throw it without any altitude on the ball, you know, without any touch on the ball. And the flat defender just drops back a couple of yards and picks it off and puts them in scoring position again. So I almost feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers said, hey, we're going to let you run the ball. Kind of your theory. We're going to let you run the ball a little bit, but we're going to play zone behind it, and we're going to make you throw traditional layered routes. We're not giving you one-on-one seam routes uh, or one-on-one crossing routes or little one-on-one, you know, X-drift routes. We're going to make you throw traditional wide receiver slash combination routes and see if you can throw a layered freaking route. And I feel like I feel like like there's a blueprint there. You go back to the playoff games when they've been behind and and Lamar has had to try to throw more traditional type of stuff. He just hasn't been very good at it, Mike. And and I think there's a, a little bit of a blueprint there that the Pittsburgh Steelers just kind of exploited or exposed, if you will that um, other teams will try to play the Ravens that way. Man, I know the Steelers are 7-0, and but why aren't I more impressed by them? What am I missing? What fatal flaw am I guilty of that I do not see true greatness when I look at this team? 
I, you know, well, I don't know. I think. I mean, do you see it? Oh, I see a team that can flat rush the passer. I see a team that can play some defense. I see a team that's. Yeah, I see a team all right, that. All right, here's, here's maybe because the, right. they're not running the ball like they normally run the ball. All maybe, right, maybe. Go ahead. They play the Kansas City Chiefs for the AFC Championship. Who are you picking? Um, now that's that is interesting. I would probably, I mean, I'd probably take Kansas City, simply because one, they're Kansas City and their quarterback is you know that guy, right? So I would probably, I would probably stick with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but you know, historically Pittsburgh has matched up pretty well against Kansas City. Now this is obviously this is a a whole different, you know, a whole different football team, if you will, but. Um, I would probably take Kansas City, Mike. You? Okay. Oh yes. Oh no, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I don't know. It's just that every game, like every game, is close. You know, like my big thing with Pittsburgh is they have relied on the passing game. They've relied on Roethlisberger. He's kept some teams in with some interception. You know, Tennessee the other week they won twenty-seven twenty-four. He threw three picks in that game. They haven't. They, I don't remember. I don't have everything sitting in front of me, but I don't remember them really dominating the running game ever. Excuse me. Bless um, you. So I don't – thank you. I don't remember them truly ever dominating in the running game. Um, yeah, that was a little sneezy right there. Um, oh. But, uh, you know, with, with with that said, with that said, like Roethlisberger and, and the passing game has been a, a work in progress. They can flat out rush the passer on the defensive side of the ball – I think every game is is felt like it's been close. Like there's no there's no real blowouts, right? Isn't that kind of isn't that kind of the difference? Maybe that's it. Maybe maybe I'm guilty of just style points rather right. than just the, rather than this is just a team that that knows how to win. So, you, well, even if you go back and although you know the the Seahawks blew out the Niners uh, last weekend, that's one of my game that the game I had. Um, Historically, if you look at the, at the Seahawks in general, every game is close. Like every game they win by, you know, it's a one-score game just about every single game. That's that's just kind of how they play them. Um so yeah, I I I just think that they're I just think that they're haven't had blowouts. They haven't run the ball. It's it hasn't it, they just win. That's all. They're a good team. They just win. Um, speaking of uh, teams that used to win a lot, the Patriots used to win a lot, but they're six and ten in their last sixteen games, and they're two and five. They're they've lost four in a row for the first time since Tom Brady was their four string quarterback in two thousand. And now Bill wow. Belichick is going on his radio show saying, "Hey, what are you going to do? You know, we sold out to win Super Bowls and go to AFC Championship games the last uh, few years, and." You know, now we're we're paying the paying the price for that. What are you gonna do? We're cash strapped right. and we don't have much depth. Do you uh first of all, it's kinda weird, isn't it, hearing Belichick talk that way instead of just yeah. I love football, I love football and everything goes with football mm-hmm. and we're on to Cincinnati and I already answered that question. Now he's actually like giving answers. Right. I you know, it, it's just interesting, you know, all those years and I think you know, I think Brady got sick of, uh, like you've talked about this all the time, how the culture of the Broncos changed as soon as Peyton Manning walked through the door, and the accountability 
that he held everybody, the standard that he held everybody to. And I, I think that Brady just got tired of going, dude, like we keep winning here. We keep winning 12 games a year with subpar talent. With, with you, you're not giving us, you know, you're not giving a hey, Bill Belichick the GM. You're not, you're not giving Bill Belichick the coach enough tools to work out with. And I keep bailing your ass out, and people keep talking about you being the greatest quarter or the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. And people keep talking about me, you know, falling off, falling off the table. I, I, th- I think there's a, there was a bit of organizational frustration. I think that's fair. A bit of organizational frustration. And Brady got a little bit sick of it. And it's one of the reasons he wanted to move on. And, you know, you talk about this, and you've talked about it before, Mike. Bill Belichick's record without Tom Brady, he's a, a below-average football coach. Like, his record would say, I'm a below And in Cleveland, with the with whoever, is it Cleveland, New England. Like, but without Tom Brady, he's under 500. Like, th- those, are the, those are the facts. Those are the numbers. So... You know, for all those people that have been have a, have just been dying to, you know, and and this is part of this is just because you know I love Tom Brady. I mean, it's just I I you know, like he's the world's greatest American. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's Tom Brady for crying out loud. I'm sorry about it, but uh, the the people that are are have just been chomping at the bit to write his obit is just like up your guy you know he's he is giving you the, the he's giving you the middle finger right now and it's awesome <laughs> yeah it and, is awesome. And, and it is it is you were you you got out you retired before it really came to fruition in Denver but I'm seeing with the Patriots and Belichick what I saw at the end of the great Mike Shanahan run here in Denver where Shanahan the GM was letting down Shanahan the coach. And I never felt there was anything wrong with Shanahan, the coach. He'd, he'd never lost his ability to coach, but the moves, the personnel moves that Shanahan was making was 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 really hamstringing Shanahan, the coach. And I think the same thing yeah. has happened with, with Belichick. Go back and look at the, the Patriots' recent drafts. They've not been good. No. I mean, Nikhil Harry is a first-round pick when you could have had D.K. Metcalf. Oof. How's D.K. Metcalf? Or Debo right Samuel? Now, by the way. Yes, I mean th- those are those are the kind of mo- you know Sony Michelle when you could have had um, Nick Chubb. I mean these are the kind of moves that you make that that end up setting back franchises. Yeah, yeah. No, you're a hundred percent right, Mike. You're a hundred percent right. You know, and if revisionist history, if you had the wherewithal, you know, to to go back and go, oh, okay, look how good this guy turned out to be. But the bottom line is this: that's your job. Right, like do your do your job or get his isn't his thing, isn't his thing as a coach? Do your job. Well, you're the coach and the GM. Do your job, and it hasn't been good enough. You're right; it has not been good enough. Boy, how bad do you hate Bill Belichick? Why do you hate him so much? <laughs> no, it's just about accountability, man. Right? It, it's hey, I, I I guess I'm one of those guys that just I, I I truly do look at the NFL as not for long, and I'm not interested in in what you what you did i'm interested in what you've done for me lately yeah i mean i it's why i'm critical of john you know what you sounded like right there what's that you sounded like janet jackson right there really what have you done for me lately well cue the cue the song 
Oh, sorry. Okay, uh, John Elway, and and what else were you saying? Well, John Elway. I'm sorry. When did I heard? I'm not. I'm not interested in what you you did. You know, five six years ago, and I get it. Belichick deserves a little bit more room before we you know totally you know crush him. But right. understand that some of the warning signs are there. Some of the red flags are there. Yeah, you're. I meant you're right. You're 100 percent right. And. Uh, you know, you, and you mentioned just—I'll go on a tangent. You mentioned DK Metcalf, dude, just dude. I mean, so I'm doing Seattle last week, and when you talk about like in a league full of—and you see these guys, Mike. You've been around these guys. You're at practice cordially inviting people to come, you know, out <laughs> to fan parties and shit. Um, in a league full of absolute freak shows, right? That dude is the freak show of all freak shows. Like him running down Buda Baker a week ago on Sunday Night Football. At he, this guy is six foot four, two thirty five. Six four, two thirty five. Runs four three. Buda Baker ran a four four eight or something coming out of college. He ran his ass down on an interception it was one of the most incredible plays I've ever seen. I'm talking to Pete Carroll about him and goes, world-class competitor. All the guy wants to do is compete. You know, and you know Pete loves that, right? That world-class competitor. But I- I'm telling you what, he's a guy that's 6'4", 235, Mike, that plays 6'4", 235. I mean, he'll seal the edge on a crackback block. I mean, he's not afraid, and he'll bully people, you know, with his body. But he also runs – and has the fluidity and the hip movement and everything else in and out of breaks, and he's worked exceptionally hard on it. He's he, he also run like he's 5'11", 190. I mean, it's just he is he is just a pleasure to watch play the game. And you know, it's funny because everybody was like, "Hey, when he was in college," and they're like, "Well, all he does is run the go route. Like that's all he like." This guy has dedicated himself. Russell Wilson was telling me, he goes, listen, guy lived with me for a month this offseason. All we did was work on routes, route combination, throwing the ball, like all that stuff. That's all he did. It's just, it's amazing when you think about what he's been able to accomplish. And uh, and just in, in two years now, you know, it's a year and what, eight games, he's developed into one of the most threatening wide receivers in all football. To one of the most alpha, alpha, alphas. You know, we're just we're just bouncing around here, and there's just so many great storylines that come out again. And, and and are we back to Aaron Rodgers? Like, is he once again falling into that uh, that world of hey man? You know, you got you got something to prove to all of us. You know, I mean, it, right? How how can you turn around and just lay an absolute? stinker a couple weeks ago against Tampa and then follow it up with uh, another poor performance against Minnesota. You know, you know, what's interesting to me with, with the Packers, right? And we get, we always get enamored and, and, you know, and Aaron Rodgers was all pissy about them drafting a quarterback, remember? And, and I gave him a lot of credit because he was like, yeah, I was, I was upset. I was, you know, emotional. And it wasn't about, you know, it wasn't about the kid. It was about, hey, man, you guys have never drafted me a first-rounder. Like, he's got one touchdown pass to somebody who was drafted in the first round, and that guy was drafted, you know, 12 years ago by the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was Mercedes Lewis. It's it's incredible when you look at, 
you know, how many touchdown passes Peyton Manning has to first-rounders or, you know, whoever. I mean, it's it's remarkable. But here's the thing about the Packers that, that's interesting to me. Mike, I think that they have become such a finesse team, you know, because of Aaron Rodgers and his propensity to throw the football and how accurate he is and how great he is off-platform and all this, that, and the other, that that's what they work on. That's who they are. When they're at practice, that's what they do. And that's what you have to defend. And when a team comes in and punches them in the proverbial mouth, they roll over. They fold like a piece of origami. I mean, think about it, Mike. Think about the teams that have punched them in the mouth recently. The Niners in the playoffs last year. They threw the ball, wait a minute, wait for it, eight times if I remember correctly. Eight times times in a football game not in a quarter in a football game Tampa Bay Tom Brady had 160 yards passing they punched them in the mouth both offensively and defensively and ended up winning that game where they were down 10 nothing or whatever it was they ended up blowing them out last week against the against the uh the Minnesota Vikings the Minnesota Vikings came out and absolutely thunderstruck them. I mean, punched them right in the throat and said, what are you going to do about it? And and you know what? And they rolled over in that game too. Kirk Cousins had 14 attempts. Cook had 30 rushes for 163 yards. They had 34 rushes and 14 pass attempts in that particular game. When they get punched in the mouth, Mike, they roll over. Uh, you feeling better about the Tua move after what you saw the other day? <laughs> No. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah, hey, well, yes. If they can, if they can score on a defensive seventy-yard fumble return, if they can score on a uh, on a was a punt or kick return, if they can score like if they can score every way you can score, if they can do that, then I feel Mark, better about Tua. No joke. I looked at a, I looked at the box score when it was twenty-eight to three. Okay, right. At that point, the Dolphins had five first downs. 21 yards of total offense, and they had possessed the ball for nine minutes. And they were leading 28-3. to three. It wasn't, Mike, it wasn't. Like, you, there is no way you will ever win a game like that again. Like, no way. <laughs> no way. Tua, Tua, was, Tua was not good. I mean, he was 12 of 22, had a bunch of errant throws, averaged 4.2 yards per pass attempt, right? He had the one TD, which was a nice throw. He had a couple of nice throws, Mike. That, that's what he had, a couple of nice throws. But you look at what they were able to do. Look at this. Now, you talked about five first downs. Mike, that whole game, they had eight total first downs. They were three of 12 on third down. They had 145 yards of total offense to, to 471, eight first downs to 31 first downs. And somehow they found a way to win that game. Well, four turnovers will kill you. Um, I, I just was – it was – is asinine well, well, to be and here's like I get I get the fact this this always this always makes me laugh so Ryan Fitzpatrick and you know I like Ryan Fitzpatrick right like I, I really like Ryan Fitzpatrick Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing really good football and I understand that he's got this innate ability to keep both teams in the game right like he will throw it into a team meeting now 
Like, that, that guy has done that. He's shown that. And I get, like, everybody saying, hey, it's 16 years, he's never led a team to the playoffs. What makes you think he's going to lead one now? Like, yeah, it's time for Tua. It's Tua time. So when I'm talking to Flores a couple of weeks ago, Flores told me, hey, man, if he's my own kid, I wouldn't play him. Like, I just don't think he's ready, both, you know, above the neck and, and health-wise. I'm concerned. So obviously, to me, that was an organizational decision to play Tua. That, that came from the owner. That didn't come from Brian Flores. It came from the owner. And so I don't think it was the right decision. But here's what here's what blows me away. Well, in, in 16 years, Ryan Fitzpatrick has never led a team to the playoffs. So it's Tua time. Well, Tua's been in the league for 16 minutes. <laughs> like, 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 come on now. Like, you're rolling. And if you think you're winning a game, if you think you're going to win another game with eight first downs, you're high. Well, the other thing like, too. If you think that's a recipe, the other yeah, thing too is that you know this this talk now of if if the COVID numbers escalate to the point where it it forces more games to be pushed back, that the NFL could look at expanding their playoffs now, expand them again from adding right. a seventh team to an eighth team, and then you would have your there would be no buy; it would just be one versus eight, two versus seven throughout, and and the idea now that. You're looking at eight teams potentially from – all right, I'll just look at the AFC. All of a sudden now the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos, a team that – the last thing I would think of of them is is a playoff team, but yet they're in 10th place right now in the East, in the AFC with games coming up against the Dolphins and Raiders. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins have a great opportunity – now maybe it's a watered down playoff format this year. Maybe it's a you know it's it's like the Eastern Conference in the NBA where the Orlando Magic can be below 500 and get in. But who cares? You know, I, there's right. a lot of value right. for a franchise that's trying to get a foothold to try to make that next step to be in the playoffs to say that they were in the playoffs. So all of a sudden the Dolphins have a, have a really good chance of being a playoff team. And they'll probably blow it because of what they've chosen to do at quarterback. Can they, they can't go back, can they? The only way you can go back is if Tua gets hurt. I mean, obviously nobody's wishing anything but but the best for Tua. But that's the only way you can go back, right? You can't go back going, "Hey, wait a minute, man. Things have changed. There's talk about a uh, there's talk about a extension of the playoffs. Let's go back to Fitz. You can't do that. If Tua, if can no, you? no, you can't. That's what I'm saying. I think I think you run the very what if real. Tua, po- what if Tua is just just god awful in a game? Just I mean, just I think they'll awful. stick with him. I, I think too. once you've made the move to your so-called quarterback of the future, you yeah. you got to stay with him. And so the problem here is that I I could easily see. If you if you tell me right now two is going to play the rest of the games for the Dolphins this year, then I'm telling you they will slide out of playoff contention. I agree with and you, and it shouldn't ha- I, I and just, it shouldn't be that way. Right. I just did not. I did not see enough out of now. It was his first start, so maybe maybe there's you know maybe there's light at the end of the tunnel. The other thing, Mike, I didn't see is, you know, I don't know that I see a guy that's really confident in in his body either. You know what I mean? Like. Or at least an organization that was confident in getting him out on the edge and doing some things. I, I just like maybe after one start, he feels more confident. He feels better. We've seen that with injured guys, you know, getting in their first opportunity and and you grow. and I, And I've been there too, you know, where the first, you're a little bit hesitant or you're a little bit worried about it, and then you get through a game, you're like, wow. 
that went better than I thought it would, and now I'm good to go. I remember coming back after you know, 27 days after back surgery to play in a playoff game, and we played against, uh, I think it was against Jacksonville, and we, I mean, we put it on them. Um, we had over 300 yards rushing, but I wasn't, like, you know, I was fine in the run game. I wasn't great in pass protection, man. My back hurt, and, and you know, I mean, it was right after back surgery, and, you know, I was, you know, I, I didn't, uh, on tape, I didn't hurt us, but I wasn't me, you know, it wasn't my best, but showing up the next week, I felt like so much more confident. My body responded well, and then throughout the rest of the playoffs, it played really well, you know, and, and so that was one of those things to just get through that first game, maybe Tua through that first game, and he comes out on the other side feeling good, and he doesn't have any residual effects in the hip, and he's like, oh, I'm back, I'm good, I'm good now. And maybe he plays with a little bit more carefree nature and a little bit more um, – you know, a little bit more of a of a, a, an ability to move around and, and to run around and 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 to be um, improvisational, if you will. You know, I couldn't agree more about your 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 take there about not being comfortable in his own body. Trust me, trust me, I've never been comfortable in my own body. Well, I'm not comfortable I, in my own body right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I. It, Nobody's really comfortable with your body. No. So I mean, they're all there with they're all there with you. You have, you you are you're you, you've got a stocky build. Um, <laughs> husky. You are husky pants. You're husky. I wore husky you're, pants. You're, you're, Sears has tough skin. Tough skins, right? The kids, huskies. Kids, there was a time out there. You youngins, mm-hmm. there was a time out there where you could wear pants as a kid that literally were labeled husky pants. Sir, they husky were, builds. I wore I wore huskies too because uh, oh yeah because they were like I mean I don't know what the material they made husky oh. pants out of Oof. but like you could take your husky pants even when they were clean and you could stand them <laughs> like you could like if you just kind of wah wah you yeah. know with a wah, wah, and and then st- you stood them on the leg parts they would literally they were so freaking stiff mm-hmm. they would literally stand up there was literally it was a level above corduroy like i don't know if people wear corduroy any corduroy anymore but like what this was a material thicker coarser grittier than even corduroy well they're they were like you know the carhartt like construction yes like those they were they were made of that that yeah and then they had a they had like an inside on the knee they had a huge patch remember on the inside of the pants (laughs) that's right they're like this stiff it was like sandpaper yeah it would it would there's no way you could wear out the knees of these pants the problem they would wear out your knees but they wouldn't wear out the knee of the pants. well the problem was because they understood that with the build that you had your legs were a little thicker and that if your Mm. if your legs kept rubbing together there was a good chance your pants would just like combust so but here's the they, thing. They had, yeah, to, they had to make yes. it out of, you know, like right. material were, that wasn't flammable. Yeah, they were completely, they were like fire retardant. It fire was like retardant. a, it was That's like what a, I was going for, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a, like a, a, a NASCAR suit. <laughs> um, there's right. no way you could That's catch right. fire in these no, pants. No way. By the way, but I wore the Husky pants not because I was a slender kid, Mike. So, you know, I had like, they were huge around my waist. I wore the Huskies just because my mom knew she'd get me one pair of Huskies and they would last me until I grew out of them because I'm not going to wear them out. Those that's kind of how we. That's kind of how we we operate. Those things were you genius. know when I was growing yeah. up. No, they were genius. Husky pants. Sears Huskies. Sears Tough Skins. They were called <laughs> tough Huskies. Skins. That's right. Tough Sears Tough Skins. Man, those yep. things. Man, ah, simpler time.
Yeah, simpler time. Okay. All right, buddy. Well, uh, always good catching up with you. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? Nothing. He farted. I farted. Uh, oh, that was an accident. I got hey, shifted. Accidents all happen, Mike. All of a sudden, accidents whoops. happen. Yeah. Wow. All right. For everybody involved, for everybody involved in the stinking, stinking truth, speaking of the stinking truth podcast, Mike farted. Uh, to linger. Yes, to linger. Speak. Hey, for everybody involved, for Scott, for Mike, for Mike's fart, for myself, uh, for the great folks over at Sweet Sweat, SweetSweat.com, for more information. Also, Superbook for America's Best Bet. Thank you so much for supporting the show, and we'll be back with you later on in the week to uh, give you our stinking good picks, our uh, our picks against the spread, uh, sponsored by Superbook. All right, Mike, we'll talk to you later. See you, Bill.